Hello, I'm Grant Morrison, and tonight we're going to be talking about Big Shot on Disney+. Plus. We're going to be talking about John Stamos and how he's created by Jack Kirby, and uh, he's one of the new gods in the Marvel Universe. All right, sorry, guys. I'm just bald. I'm Anchor Pete. I shaved off my beard and my hair. I, I just I was like, who's a cool bald guy? Grant Morrison is a favorite. Oh, bravo. Bravo, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to the people that are listening on the podcast because, like, you have no idea what the hell I'm even talking about. <laughs> but um, what's up? I'm Anchor Pete. I'm covering up my bald dome right now, and I'm with my good buddy, Brian. He's still laughing over there. Oh, man, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my God. I think I killed him. Okay. All right. All right. All right. broke me. Okay. All right, good, good. So, guys, we are here for episode five of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm Anchor Pete. This is Brian, and we are now on our new channel, Ramblings from the Rod Pod. So if you guys haven't subscribed to Ramblings from the Rod Pod on YouTube, please go there and do so now, because we want you guys to be a part of this discussion with us. Brian, how are you doing tonight, man? Doing good. Yeah. Guys, this is going to be a spoiler-filled discussion, so you've been warned. If you haven't watched the show, go do so and then come join us afterwards. So, Brian, with that spoiler warning out of the way, my question for you is, do you like boat-fixing montages or shield-throwing montages better? Oh, man. Um, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be a lot of left field here, but I'm going to say I like boat-fixing montages. I, I yes. don't know. I mean – I got some like Forrest Gump vibes out of that today, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I actually really liked when Bucky came by and used his little cyborg hand to pick up the part of the boat. Yeah. Put it on the ground. That was pretty cool. Yeah. But <laughs> I did love me some uh, Sam practicing with the shield too. Yes. I was so happy we finally saw that scene because I remember last week I was saying, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't I didn't know how it was going to fit in, but that, that's how it fits in. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, just, just I, I have to bring it up. Like, I'm watching this and – and you know, I don't understand how anyone can throw that. I, I know this is this is a comic book TV show, or whatever, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you're not really supposed to be able to do things like that. But it's just like they're just throwing this really heavy thing around, and it's just bouncing perfectly every time. I actually really appreciated later on when he was when Sam was training and he was like messing up. And I'm like, that has to have taken like a lot of practice, you know? Oh yeah. Have they ever done like a Mythbusters where like the person throws the shield and it like bounces back? Have they ever done something like that? Oh, they probably have. We should look that up. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, it did seem kind of silly, right? When he's like throwing the shield and bouncing back, catching it. Because it was like that's Captain America's whole gimmick, right? Is that he can throw a shield yeah. and it bounces off things. There's, there's really no other superhero character like that, right? Yeah, and I think, I think too, it's important to note that in um, Age of Ultron, they, they actually show that – Tony gave um, Steve some kind of like magnetic com component to it, oh, so it yeah. returned to his arm. But oh, yeah, right. I mean, he, not that he needed that, you know, because no. he was, you know, an expert of throwing it immediately, practically, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and the shield, even though it's like so practical, what we're talking about in this episode, it's like the most symbolic it's ever been in the entire yeah. season. Right, because literally the very first scene of this episode is three characters fighting over that shield, right? Yeah. And uh, did you think what did you think of fight between? Uh, John uh, I, I got some major uh, end of Civil War vibes from that with the you know the the Cap Bucky and Tony fight. Um, so it, it was it was a cool thing to see, and you know um, things definitely got a little heated there, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was um, like Marvel with like the Winter Soldier and like you said, Civil War. It has that sort of that crazy kind of mixed martial arts kind of fighting uh, that you don't see in every Marvel movie. Um, but it, it really shows up in Winter Soldier. And uh, it was interesting because like with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the show, they kind of started to work that in there a little bit, too. Like that kind of martial arts, like fighting and shooting and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they dropped it eventually. And I just think that that's so cool. Like, is that kind of influenced by, like, The Raid, you think? Um, Man, I love The Raid. Um, yeah, that's why I brought it up, because I know that you love it. It's possible. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of shows that, that have that more aggressive MMA kind of stuff. I mean, that that's, it's, it's, it's blown up in popularity over the last decade or so, you know? So I, I think, I mean, it looks really cool. Um, it, it's it's different. It's it's fast paced and it's exciting. So I mean, it, it definitely works in a lot of these. It's a perfect thing to put in a comic book movie, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it really fits that sort of Captain America, that modern Captain America kind of storytelling, right? And yeah. the modern version of Captain America, even though like Mark Wade's comics are really awesome and he did a lot for the character, it's really that Ed Brubaker run on which all of this Captain America stuff is based on. Yeah, you know. And it's funny, like one of the things that was on Twitter that was going by was that like Ed Brubaker, who wrote, the, he created like the Winter Soldier character, essentially, right? Yeah. Like he, he makes more money off of his little small appearance in the Winter Soldier than he does for like creating the character. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I said, he, you know, I saw that he, he kind of, it's kind of like a mixed bag for him that he, he's happy that the character is being used, but he's not really getting the credit or compensation that he feels he, he's due. Yeah. That's the way. That's, also a weird, that's a weird gray area too. I mean, he didn't. I mean, he he uh, evolved the story of an existing character into something that was very interesting. Yeah. Um. And and but he didn't necessarily create the character. So I mean, that's a really weird gray area too. That's right. That's right. That being said, too, I mean, I, I'm not so sure that Marvel really takes care of or or even either of the major two companies take care of their creators. I think it's it's work for hire, you know. So yeah. I think pretty much any character that's made for Marvel or DC, they own the rights to them. And so people don't get credit or money like when they're in movies and stuff. And the movies are making millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, you know? I feel like the lone exception here is like uh, is Superman and Batman. We, we'll, you will see uh, the you know uh, the, those names associated with them, which, oh, God, I can't, can't oh. remember. Uh, Bill Finger for Batman, Bill Finger and Bob Kane, right? Yeah, Bill Finger and Bob Kane for Batman. And Bill Finger was only more recent, too. It was always Bob Kane. Right, then, right. Um, what are the two Schuster. names? Schuster. Uh, Siegel and Schuster, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's right. Yeah, but you always see those things there anytime those characters pop up. So you know yeah. that they're getting a, a, a cut of something. Yeah. So if you guys are getting aroused by our comic book deep cuts over here, we got some stuff in store for you tonight. Especially when we tied in with some uh, Seinfeld cameos too. Oh my god! Yes. Yeah, yeah. We, we gotta save that for the end though, because that that's 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 sure. our gold right there. Sure. So all right, so we got this battle. They're all racing for the shield, and in a pretty brutal move, Falcon goes ahead and puts on his like thrusters, and he like pushes John Walker's arm. That was so brutal. Yeah, um, it, it almost was like you know trying to remove the glove off of Thanos in a way. You know? Yes. Yes. Um, and yeah, and obviously, you know, John gets his arm broken, which is, um, you know, probably pretty hard to do for someone with a super soldiers here, you know? Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. They were really just teaming up and wailing on him. Yeah. You know? And then and then pretty much like the rest of the episode is just the fallout from that battle. Yes, fallout and setup. So after that, it was a little more, it was a little slower, but I mean, I, I think, you know, you, you can't have 
you know, high octane every, every week, you know, so this, this is going to set up for a big climax next week. Yeah. And so um, basically, you know, the shield, Bucky gets the shield away from John Walker. He gives it to Sam Wilson and now Sam has it in his possession, but John Walker just shredded his wings. That was, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I wasn't either. Uh, but it makes sense though. And I mean, because we 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 knew that a uh, a Sam Sam Wilson Captain America costume was coming, yeah. and what what better way to introduce it? Yeah, it, it's such a like Transformers or like action figure type thing where it's like, okay, we're destroying the previous yeah. one, so now we got to get a new one, and and a comic book thing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so with the fallout, John Walker goes and he has to do a debriefing or a hearing in front of a bunch of I guess like members of the military. And um, he starts to kind of have a meltdown. His, his wife's there. She tries to console him in the hallway. And that's when we have our glorious cameo. How did you feel yes. when you saw uh, Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld show up you know, in the Marvel Universe? It, it's funny that, I, I, of course, I'll always recognize her as Elaine. But at the same time, um, I, I, I went to Veep first. Because I'm like, oh, they're in a, they're in a, like a courthouse building. So it's, it's the vice president. Yeah. Uh, like, but yeah, I mean, there the, there have been plenty of castings that they've done that are very out of left field, and uh, I, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I'm not super familiar with that version of the character that that she is portraying. So oh, uh, I mean, maybe it could work. What else? Oh well, well, I actually have some uh, detailed notes right here. All righty, let's yes. hear them. Yes, oh, uh, Grant Morrison tells these notes. No, don't do that. Oh yeah, no, please don't. Yeah, that was a pretty horrible Scottish accent I did. So um, I'm Scottish, by the way, so I can do that. So. Uh, so that character, right? Her her um, name is so friggin' drawn out. I don't even think I wrote it down. Uh, it is Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. There you go. Thank you. And she first appeared in uh, Jim Steranko's uh, run of Nick Fury, which is like a real classic Nick Fury run. And it was in Strange Tales. It wasn't even its own like Nick Fury comic. Strange Tales number 168, and it goes all the way back to 1968 is when she first showed up. And um, there's this real infamous uh, sex scene that has her and Nick Fury getting it on, right? And what happens is it's a bunch of silent panels where there's no narration, there's no uh, talking, word bubbles or whatever. And uh, the thing is, because of the comics code, they actually had to change the last panel of the sequence, which is them kind of like embracing. And so... That what they did was they they did a close up of Nick Fury's gun in its holster to be like you know like implied. I thought that was brilliant. I remember hearing about that years ago too. <laughs> I have not heard that story before. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. The the Jim Steranko um, Nick Fury stuff is like classic, and I'm gonna bring up a little tangent just for my wife's sake too. Um, and she's not even here to hear it, which is bullshit. But um, in the movie True Romance. Um, there's this sequence in the beginning with uh, Christian Slater, right? Where he's talking to, uh, what I forget the actress's name real quick, but it, he's a comic book store worker, right? And he he's talking about this exact romance with Nick Fury and the Countess. Oh, wow. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so cool because it's like, I guess Tarantino read Nick Fury. And so, oh, uh, wow. yeah, yeah. The, the Jim Steranko Nick Fury is just like this classic, amazing run. And I think it really influenced comics a lot. So anyway, um, she became a member of Shield's Fem Force. They had a Fem Force team, and um, do you know that whole Jonathan Hickman um, Secret Warriors book where it was yes. like Nick Fury? So, so she's in that, and she becomes a member of Leviathan, which is like this group that's 
like infiltrated Hydra, and it's like this ancient kind of messed up group. Yes. So I think, I think it's kind of cool that she's part of that. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah. I, I didn't. I, I did read some of that. Um, I think I read more of uh, the. I didn't read as much of the the more shield based Secret Warriors than I, and I did with the, the kind of the cap version of it. Oh, okay. The, or the or was Hawkeye leader the team, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm more familiar with. I mean, I don't think we've said it yet, but Madam Hydra. Uh, I'm I'm more familiar with the Viper version of that. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think that what threw me off, right, is because on Twitter it said Madam Hydra was trending, right? Yeah. But that's that's really because of like uh, Veep, right? Like Madam President. No, I, she wasn't. She was. Uh, she was. Uh, she went by Madam Hydra. She she succeeded Viper as Madam Hydra temporarily. Oh, okay, okay, okay. There, so are, three, there are three versions of Madam Hydra. I don't okay. know the third one. But she, yeah, she was a version of Madam Hodges. That's why that was trending. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But like That's I cool. said, I'm more familiar with the Viper version of Madam Hydra. That's the only one I really know. So yeah, and is, is that because that Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon? Um, no, I've seen her. I mean, I've read books with her in it already. But yeah, yes, yeah, she wasn't that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. Yeah, it, it's it's funny, right? Because like Twitter just totally you know, ruin that shit for me. It said Madam Hydra, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's who that character's gonna be. And I asked you about it, but I had no idea it was gonna be Ju Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I was like, what Yeah, I don't wanna, I mean, we, we kind of have that, that rule where we don't talk about anything until the show, so, um, but, you know, we, we did touch on that a little bit today. <laughs> look, look at this, we got a little surprise guest appearance from the man <laughs> who, who's probably watching this show right now. We always gotta show off our shirts, too, by the way. Oh, Here's nice. One. Yeah, he's watching Joe Bob, which everyone else is watching right now. But Danny, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Jay Peterman is the power broker. Okay, yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, so who would be uh, – would Newman be MODOK then? Absolutely. Well, that, that's AIM though, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, what the hell are we talking about? Danny, you threw me off. Uh, Madam so, yeah, no, we got through. We, we got through Julia Louis-Dreyfus talking to, to John Walker and – Handing him a uh, a blank, a, a seemingly blank business card, and saying, foreshadowing that the, the the smartest thing you're gonna ever do is answer the the phone when I call you. Right. So what so the hell I, is that? Um, I, I I read some theories that that um, this this could be some kind of twist on Thunderbolts in some way. I'm not really sure though. I mean this this is this is a very future setup kind of uh, uh, scene. Uh, this is not going to play out in this in this next episode. Yeah, I don't think. Did Did you hear that she was actually supposed to be in Black Widow first? Yes, I did hear that as well. Yes, so I, yeah. I'll, I'll be very curious to see if she if she is in fact in it. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Because then it's like, what scene would she have been in in Black Widow? And then like, I, I feel like they might with the shows have that kind of Netflix Marvel kind of mentality where it's like. Some characters are mainly in the shows and other characters are in the movies. I know they said they weren't going to do that, but the fact that she was going to be in Black Widow makes me think that she's a much bigger yeah. character. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we're going to see more of her in, in, in a larger capacity. Um, and uh, I, I think, I, I, think I, I read somewhere, too, that someone was kind of thinking about that was this like a – especially considering there are the, the character's relationship with Nick Fury, was this like a reverse – you know, Nick Fury recruiting Tony Stark for the Avengers and Iron Man 1 kind of thing. But oh, I see. Thunderbolts. 
Oh, that's cool. I like that. That's cool. Uh, it could be that. And then another I mean, thing. It's, it's, it doesn't like totally go along with, um, you know, established comic continuity. It's very different. But I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that they've twisted things around or changed things to just make it work in a uh, for the, the movies or just make it a little bit different. So we're not just, you know, watching the exact thing we read. Yeah. That's a very good point. What about the whole scroll angle? Because like one thing about this character too is that during Secret Invasion, she was one of the major characters that had been replaced by a scroll. That is a great, great point. Um, yeah. But what would this? What would a scroll need with John Walker? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, like I like I always ask every every time, like what do what do these shows lead to? What, what do we see next out of this? What is the point of this show? Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I've guessed a few times Secret Invasion with you know from plot points from this show and from WandaVision. Uh, yeah. So it, that that's an excellent point. Yeah, well, I thought he was completely gone, but since we're doing spoilers, they showed him working on a shield, like his own version of the shield, too, right? Yes, uh, and and I think I think we will see him again in the episode. That does not feel like something that's going to happen and just happen later on. Like we're going to see him next episode, I think. Yeah. I don't know what capacity, you know, but um, it should be interesting. Yeah, I feel like he might show up in New York and he might fight uh, Carly and the other Flag Smashers. And there's probably going to be a big showdown and Bucky's going to be there and Falcon or Captain America now. Sam Wilson, Captain America. And uh, yeah, and basically that's going to and maybe that uh, he'll get arrested or something and then maybe uh, she'll get him out of jail. Like maybe the Countess will get him out of jail. Could be. Yeah, That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's actually a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because we're talking about Nick Fury, too. And so I think it is possible he might be connected to her in the MCU and they might have that history they have in the comics. And I looked up Julia Louis-Dreyfus's age and she's 60. And then Samuel L. Jackson, you know how old he is? He's he's like mid-70s, right? He's 72. Wow. I was like, dude, that's crazy, right? Yeah. So, so they're kind of around the same age where they could be dating and stuff at one point. Yeah, Sticking I mean, the old... they always have that fancy de-aging technology too. So that's right. That's right. So let me ask you this: Would he have gotten with her pre-Captain Marvel or post-Captain Marvel? Oh, uh, I'm gonna say post-Captain Marvel. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. When he started getting into the more clandestine stuff after that, because it seemed like that's where he started, kind of, you know, turning into the Nick Fury we 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 know from the from the you know. Iron Man one and so on. Yeah, yeah, good point. So, uh, oh, I did write up down her name, Con Contessa. Good, good. And then I also wrote down Mama Danya because we would never remember her name. Yes, Mama Danya. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you think of Zemo going back to Sokovia? Um, I, I, well, well like I, I kept saying, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure what who the ultimate villain was in the show, uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm. Almost glad. I'm kind of glad to see that he's kind of been taken off the table in, in a sense. You know, yeah. like I, I don't think we're going to see Zemo again. Uh, you know, as as being a a factor in in the show. Um, yeah. Maybe there'll be some kind of tag scene where it just shows up exactly what shows exactly what happened to him. But obviously, you know, the, the Dormilaje took him back to Wakanda to to, to face his crimes for killing King, King T'Chaka. Mm -hmm. Wait, wait, didn't they take him to uh, the raft? Oh, the raft. They said the raft. That's right. Is that the first mention we've had of the raft? No, no. The raft, as far as I know, is in Civil War. 
right? Because isn't it that? Oh, that's where. Time? That's where. Uh, okay. Yes, you're right. Yes. So, so with the ref, though, I think like we should bring this up, like because we're in, like full speculation mode tonight. But like, um, when when there's the new Avengers comic, which was kind of like what made the, the Avengers really popular in comics, um, and you had a team that had like Luke Cage, uh, Wolverine, Spider Man, Captain America, Iron Man, um, and then the Sentry, whatever. Yeah. This this team it started when the raft uh, when when someone broke into the raft and like essentially yes. released all the criminals. So that might be the next time we see Zemo is that there might be like a big breakout at the raft. Interesting. Yeah. That, that would be definitely cool to say. Yeah. Is that, that whole, the, the raft was in like the Harbor in New York though. Um, yeah. I don't think the raft is anywhere near there uh, in, in, in the MCU. No, no. It's like in the middle of the Atlantic ocean or something. Seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, let's see what else we got. We have uh, Sharon Carter. She's calling Batrock. That's kind of interesting, don't you think? Yeah. So it, it, I am. Uh, I, I'm. I'm still. I'm not 100 percent convinced that she is the power broker, even though I've said it many times in the past. So <laughs> it seems like it still seems like it seems that it still could be they're leading us toward thinking that. And there's there's not. Um, they they say that that she was responsible for the mission that Batrock was on in the first episode. She she funded that operation. So oh yeah. The interesting thing here is that now, if she's the power broker who was previously hunting down Carly uh, Morgenthau, now she's helping her. Which, I mean, that's a little odd. I think. Yeah. Uh, and the only way I can resolve that, uh, you know, in my own personal headcanon, is that she's kind of like decided that oh, okay, well, I don't have Super Soldier Serum anymore. I don't have the guy who makes it anymore. I have to cut my losses and make the most profit out of this as I can, hmm. um, which could make sense, I guess, but I don't 100% buy it. And then also, I mean, I don't know, it, at the very end of the episode, you see, uh, you know, the, the GRC is having a, a debate about, you know, uh, relocating displaced citizens. Right. And you see the power go out and you see someone walk in the room. And it, it's clearly a man. But walking okay. in the room. And I'm wondering, like, is that actually the power broker? Is it some like front for the power broker? And Sharon's the real power broker, you know? Uh -huh. um, okay. But uh, I, I, I can't totally dismiss that, and I still think that it would be like it, it would. I, I don't. I don't think it would be good for them to just introduce a different person as the power broker at this point. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Out that, of nowhere. That's interesting. That it's like a man. It was. It wasn't. Like shaped like Carly's friend, right? The the guy that has like long hair. No, I right. feel like I, I feel like it was a guy in a suit. Like somebody like turned the lights off and like for for this person to walk in that room. I feel okay. like Carly and her men were all outside. Okay. And I, I'm kind of wondering too. Like even, yeah. I, I, there's a few ways this this can go. I mean, maybe that's not even they're not all on the same side there. You know. Yeah. Uh. Could could the person inside be like uh, Bucky, like already kind of waiting for them to show up, or like no, uh, I think Sam they just found out about it and they they have to get make their way there. Okay. Because Sam just finds out about it and he's gonna call Bucky, and he, they're gonna go, go meet there. Okay. Okay. What well, do they talk at the end? Sam and, and uh, Bucky. Yeah. I I don't think so. Sam talks to his friend. He talks to Joaquin. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, and, and, oh, a nice, nice little nod 
uh, with the old wings. Keep him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's not gonna have that weird origin that I was talking about with yes. the vampire bird or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I actually like Joaquin. He he said some funny things this episode. Yeah, too. yeah I like him too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I actually that could go so many different ways with that guy in the room that you're talking about, right? Because that could be like the power broker, and maybe he's kind of doing some kind of thing where it's like I'm gonna protect you from these people that are trying to harm you, and then. That- could be, yeah. and maybe, maybe even that's how how Walker's involved, or, or you know, he could just be on a re, you know revenge kick. Yeah, or, yeah. Or maybe he's just trying to prove himself, trying to get some redemption. You know, the the power broker. No, uh, Walker. Uh, oh, maybe yeah. He will actually help Sam and Bucky. Yeah, I I just I, I don't know that that's cool. That I actually like would like that a lot. If, I would like, too. I think that like what's been great about this character is that that. You know, John Walker has had those moments where he seems kind of likable, but obviously he's had those moments too where he's like just so tense and on the edge that he he, and he makes these mistakes. Yeah. So it's again, much like everything in the show, it's a very great character. Um, yeah. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, I remember originally stating, uh, you know, that Carly started out being a very great character. She is just like totally flipped to the dark side. She, she's oh, like yeah. quite a villain at this point, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So she's probably going to go down, and and probably John Walker's going to be involved with that. And it's kind of cool because when he was testifying, and when he was like fighting with uh, Sam and and with Bucky, he was like so much like Kurt Russell. It just blew my mind. His voice was like just like Kurt Russell. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some of these actors that you know their fathers were actors. It's like they're almost like a copy of them. Like you know Michael Douglas and like Kirk Douglas. You know. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um. Uh, but I was going to say, I had one other theory based on your guy in the room thing, too. Okay. But it's totally like I'm just a comic book nerd just being like, oh, wouldn't this be cool? You know? But, like, um, like wouldn't that be cool if it was Norman Osborn, right? And it's like he is the power broker because of the serum. You know, in the Ultimate Comics, Norman Osborn has worked on that exact serum, you know? That is very true. And and um, and it has gone wrong for him, obviously. Um, yeah. I mean – we have to get Norman Osborn at some point in something. Yeah. Um, it, it's a great character. And I, I mean, I still stand by that. I, I love the Willem Dafoe version. I, I don't think we're going to get that ever again. No. Um, but it, it's, it, it, you know, we haven't seen it. In, we haven't seen him in the MCU. And he is a big player post, uh, was it post Secret Invasion? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the, with Hammer and and and, and the Siege storyline and all that, um, we 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 have to get him. He has to be used at some point. Yeah, they, there hasn't been any rumors or anything about like a major character being in this last episode or like another cameo or anything like that, right? Yeah, uh, no, no. Okay. Uh, the the only cameo I heard about was the the one that was ended up being. I mean, I believe it was supposed to be Julia Louis Dreyfus. Okay. 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 Yeah, so then I guess for this episode, the only other major thing I wanted to talk about was um, Sam going back to see uh, – what's his face? Not Eli. His, Isaiah. Isaiah Bradley. Yeah, yeah. But Eli was there. I saw in the captions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It said, like, Eli in the caption that he was talking to him. So I thought Yeah, I mean, cool. he called him by name, too. So. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, so that scene was great. And I'm pretty sure that the actor that plays Isaiah – He's the guy that played Mantis, right? In the nineties, remember that show, uh, Mantis? Yeah, is, is it Car- Carl Lumby? 
I think so. Yes, yes. Who, who I believe is also the voice of Martian Manhunter. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, he is fantastic. Yeah, he's great. He, he's so good in this, and he was good in Mantis. And yeah, and Martian Manhunter is fantastic too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you think of that whole sequence? I, I'm speaking about the, the, the Justice League animated cartoon version of uh, – right. because there's been a few people that have played uh, Martian Manor at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they've I always been like oh. – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. They've always been like like really awesome African-American actors too. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And actually, there was, there was a Seinfeld alum that played one of them in small uh, – played one version of Smallville. Get out of town. Jackie Giles was, was John Jones in, uh, in Smallville. Holy shit. And Seinfeld takes place in New York. It's all coming together. <laughs> Multiverse 616. 616 is the uh, it's the diner. That's the address of the diner. Oh man. That's right. <laughs> all right. So so what were we gonna say about this scene? Uh, I, I love the scene. It was really good. And I remember calling out like like two specific moments earlier in the first two episodes where uh, they were very um, socially relevant. Uh, scenes that that at the time felt a little ham-fisted. I, I said, I think, sure about you know racial commentary. You know, uh, yes. Sam with the bank, and then Sam and uh, and Bucky with the police officers after they first spoke with Isaiah. Yeah. Um, this this was as I thought. Like it's just more set up for Sam to finally accept assuming the mantle of Captain America. You know, this is someone who who could have done it and. Uh, and you know, doesn't want it, and doesn't think a black man should be Captain America because he doesn't believe in the symbol or, or the country or anything like that. Yeah, and I think it, this is just more reason for Sam to do it to prove him wrong. You know, to prove yeah. that, that that a black man can be Captain America. And and goddamn, he's he has proved it to me. Like oh, in yes. this year, show, he absolutely should be Captain America. Yes. he's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Brian, like last week you made this great point about how Sam was real serious last week and he, he seemed like he could be Captain America in his conversation with Carly. That just continued on into this episode, you yes. know, with, um, you know, his his kind of conversations he had with Bucky and then also when he went to go see Isaiah too, like that was just right on, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? I, I, another thing I saw on a, like, I don't know, a news feed was – that <laughs> there's this guy on YouTube, right? His, his YouTube channel's name is Doomcock, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. He wears like a giant like Doctor Who kind of alien head thing. And he was claiming that like like 80% of the audience of Falcon and the Winter Soldier turned off the show on the first episode when um, they, the cops pulled the gun on Sam, right? And I'm like, okay, that's just so ridiculous. Like they were saying that there's some kind of thing where you can see like when people turn out of shows and stuff, right? Yeah. But the thing is, I just kind of brought that up because I, I just wanted to say Doomcock, first of all. But <laughs> but like people don't understand. They think that like the idea idea of like racial injustice mm. and politics and comics, it, it's just like it, it's not a thing, and that Disney has an agenda. But the entire Sam Wilson Captain America run is so political and it's so like in involving racial injustices and, and, and the idea of Sam Wilson being this black Captain America, you know? And I think that considering how like non real world the Marvel movies have been, 
this show has done a really good job of kind of addressing those points. Oh, but still, grounding in reality, I think. Yes, yes. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, when you have these kind of movies where there's like a big purple alien guy that can snap a gauntlet and erase humanity, like that's so far-fetched and ridiculous. And then to kind of tie it back into like, obviously this show is very much inspired by Black Lives Matter, you know, like it's it's weird to connect those two worlds, but this show is somehow able to do that. And um, the, the Captain America comics for like at least a decade have been that. Yeah, you know, yeah, totally agree there. Yeah, yeah, I think I might have uh, misquoted myself a couple of episodes back where I said that um, it was Nick Spencer's run where Sam becomes Cap. It's not. It's actually with Rick Remender at the end of his Captain America run. That's when Sam becomes Cap. Yeah, I thought Nick Spencer had the had the Hydra Cap, the, the, the Steve Rogers Hydra Cap, right? Right. There was two yeah. books going on simultaneously. There was two Captain America yeah. books, and one was the Sam one, and one was the Steve Rogers Hydra Cap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Okay, so that's that's good. And I still want to talk about Isaiah Bradley, though, too. But um, one last thing is, could uh, the Countessa be kind of trying to recruit John Walker to be like a Hydra cat? You know what I'm saying? That's an excellent point as well. That, that's a very high possibility, I think. Um, th th that, there's so many ways that can go. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think that we will see that play out here. I think that that's going to happen in some other show or a movie later on. Okay, okay. Yeah, not yeah. enough space in an hour to, to, to wrap all this up. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. So let me ask you this then. So what do you think, like, was there anything else you wanted to add about the whole Isaiah situation and, and Eli? Um, I don't think so, no. Okay. Yeah, I just it, – it's great that they're actually kind of able to build up Isaiah's character – before we introduce Eli on the Young Avengers, right? Like it's good to kind of get that legacy built up right now. Yeah. Otherwise, he's just a kid with a shield, really. You know, but but knowing that history and that, that you know his grandfather was a super soldier, it just it, it really adds to the character. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just super excited for when you know it's all going to come together for Young Avengers. You know. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm excited for that too. And I, I hope that the, the general public takes to it as well. Yeah, hell yeah. So, dude, uh, what you got anything else for this episode, or should we move on to our part two of our um, show? The only other thing, I mean, I, this this is like so far fetched, and I don't think it's gonna happen. But I have to, I have to ask. Sure. Do we? Do we? Uh, uh, I, I asked this in the first episode too. Do we think like Steve Rogers is dead or not? That's a really good question. Um, he said that Sam says that he is gone. Right. Does that mean he's gone as a superhero, or he's actually dead? And if he is alive, will we potentially see see him in this episode? In this and last episode, that is something we want to see. Like, like you, th I, I don't, I, I would want to see it. I don't think it will happen. Uh, I, I don't think he's dead. I don't think we're going to see him though. I think they might be saving him for something bigger. I, I think like they don't really know what to do with him exactly. Um, and I think that if they showed him now, unless he did something really important, it would just be like, oh, we have him. Let's just stick him in this, you know? And I don't think they, they should bring him out yet. That's you know? an excellent point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, you have changed. I mean, I, I didn't think we were going to see him, but now I'm, I'm pretty sure we will not based on that. You're right. They need, if they're going to bring him back, it needs to be for something big. 
Yeah, because like, not what if, for a gratuitous cameo. Right, that's exactly what it'd be. Because like, what would he do? Like, would he just kind of come out and be like, "Good job, Sam," and then that's like the end, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, yeah, if they brought him back to like, like, what would be real fucking awesome, right? Is if we're a couple movies down the road, maybe a couple of shows down the road, and like Sam or even Bucky is in like a really tight situation, like things are real dark and grim, and then he just shows up to like offer some advice or something, and no yeah. one knows he's going to show up. That'll be awesome. Yeah, like something like that, you know. But I don't think he's dead. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> cool. All right, well, one more episode to go, man. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I'm pumped for the finale. Yeah. So, so like I said, guys, if you like mine and Brian's uh, live reviews, make sure that you subscribe to our new channel, Ramblings in the Rod Pod. We're going to keep doing Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, I got to talk to Brian about this more, but I think we're actually going to skip the Bad Batch because I don't really think we should like do a live show of that. But yeah. what I do think we should do is I think that when Jupiter's Legacy comes out, I think we should like take that apart and do like a weekly show doing a couple episodes each time. What do you Done. think? <laughs> and then we just ride that until Loki. Yeah, and uh, and you know what? I I think we maybe should throw Invincible in there somewhere. I mean, that's a bit, that's been streaming. Holy I haven't watched shit. it actually. I would really like to. Dude, I haven't watched. There's so much content out there right now. It's ridiculous, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's like there's the friggin' Nevers show too that I kind of want to watch. Oh, and then, I want to watch that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's this the show come on. Uh, uh, Netflix called Shadow and Bone. Have you seen like commercials for that? Or I have not seen that yet. No. Yeah, I know that like Netflix was kind of looking for like a Game of Thrones type show. And... Oh, oh yes, yes. Okay, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I might end up covering that one for the Anchor Pete channel. We'll see. But for for Ramblings of the Rod Pop, we're definitely going to do Jupiter's Ascending. I mean, no, not Jupiter's oh, Ascending. God, no. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> um, no, we're going to do Jupiter's Legacy, and then we'll be on to Loki after that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but we're not done, guys. We actually are going to talk about New Mutants. Yes, which is not a new movie, but it's new to us because it just popped up on HBO Max. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what you guys might not know, but you probably can guess, is that Brian and I are actually huge X-Men fans. Like, we... You know, grew up in the 90s, essentially. We were born in the 80s, but grew up in the 90s. And uh, we love the X-Men comic and the cartoons from the 90s. And uh, would you say that out of the 13 X-Men movies that you like more than you dislike? Absolutely. Okay, okay, okay. At the, end of this, at the end of this episode, we're going to rank the X-Men movies too. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Brian, right off the bat... Would you say that this would be higher on your list, though, or lower? New Mutants. I I am going to say that this uh, it is higher on my list than I expected it would be. Okay, okay, that's that's I could say say the same. Yeah, and I, I mean I, I, I'm kind of getting a vibe that you that maybe we're going to disagree here, but I actually like the movie. Uh, I I liked it. Uh, so spoilers for New Mutants, by the way. Um, I liked it, but I, I did feel like it was kind of generic and that I could kind of predict everything that was going to happen. Oh, of course. Yes. You could, yeah. I mean, yes, you could predict everything that was going to happen. I, I don't feel it was super rooted in any, uh, in any detailed way on any comic run. I mean, yes, the, the whole demon bear thing, uh, but that, that it, it was barely uh, associated with that it was just really that villain was there, you know? Yeah. 
Uh, and it had nothing to do with the storyline that, that is famous. Yeah. I would say that, like, there was nothing outright bad. There was nothing where I'm like, oh, I don't like that. I, I, I did like everything. I, I liked the actual New Mutants characters. It just, the movie was, like, so, like, stripped down. And, and there was, like, almost, like, nothing really to it. You know, it's just, like, the characters. <sighs> and there's, like, only six people in the whole movie, really. Yeah. Right. And and, um, and it's like very basic what happens to them too. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I liked it that it was. Um, it seemed as if they took some characters that had all had a uh, a, a traumatic um, birth of their powers. You know, they had a traumatic experience there, and they were. It was kind of like a, a an examination of grief and uh, you know overcoming it. Yeah, uh, or, or or trauma, really, and not grief, trauma. Yeah, um, and I, I like that all the characters had that in common, and that's how they they looped them together. It I don't necessarily feel that really represents the comics with these characters, but it was an interesting take, and it was something different than we've seen. Um, you know, it, it's just sort of showing. Uh, I mean, outside of like, I guess Rogue uh, in the X Men movies, you know, they, they don't really ever. See, oh, I, I guess maybe Gene too. Um, you know, most people don't end up killing someone when their powers manifest for the first time, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was interesting. And then, uh, you know, eventually you get to the point where it's like, like the whole time you're thinking that, oh, this is a good place and they're, they're going to go join the X-Men afterwards. But, you know, ultimately that was not what was going to happen if had they not had the events not unfolded as they did. Yeah, yeah. And what this could have been actually excites me a lot because I actually did some research into the back story of this, right? Because yeah. first of all, they proposed this movie in 2015, you know, and yeah. we're just seeing it in 2020. So it's been, you know, shelved and they didn't know what to do with it for a while. But um, the guy that directed it, his name's Josh Boone. Have you ever heard of him? Yes. At the time, I, I remember reading, I, I, I think I've seen one of his previous movies or, um, wait, that's not the guy that did Chronicle, is it? No, no, no. That's uh, Josh Trank. Josh Trank. Ah, okay. Yeah. Oh, he did Van Forstick. Okay. Right, 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 right. Uh, so Josh Boone did The Fault in Our Stars, right? Okay. But besides that, he also did the Stand miniseries that just came out that, like, me and Danny and, you know, Sherry okay. and stuff and Athena would review. And, uh, you know, we weren't actually big fans of that, but he uh, kind of wrote the movie with his his Brian. You know, he had his his little his his old, you know his friend you know from you know from many ages, and his friend's name was Nate Lee, and Nate wrote the Jackass movie Bad Grandpa, and then he also wrote a bunch of episodes of The Stand too, and Josh Boone directed episodes of The Stand, mm. um, and so the thing is though is that they were huge fans of the New Mutants comics, and they wanted James McAvoy to be in the movie as well, playing Professor X. Mm -hmm. And then besides that, they were also going to have him um, – it was going to be a trilogy, right? And the second version – the second movie was going to have Warlock, who's a member of the New Mutants, right? And yep. an alien. And it was going to be like an alien invasion type movie. Interesting. And, yeah. Each one was going to be a horror movie, right? This first one was like a surreal kind of, you know, what's going on? Are we losing our sanity kind of horror movie? The second one was going to be an alien invasion horror movie, probably with the phalanx, right? Yep. And then the third one was going to be like an apocalyptic horror movie, and it was going to be like based on Inferno from the X-Men comics. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't, isn't that cool? 
Yeah, no, I, I, I just, I, I felt there was a lot of potential here, and I know that, that that's it. Like, you know, we're not, you know, I, I, I was satisfied enough, I guess, you know, yeah. but I feel like there could have been something here, and I, I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the, the the people they cast in these characters. I think they they were it was well acted. Um, I was a little confused by Dr. Reyes because I mean, Dr. Cecilia Reyes is just a human, right? No, no, she's a mutant. Um, she's a mutant. yes, yeah. She showed up in um, during the storyline called Operation Zero Tolerance. Which do you know Bastion from the X Men? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, so, so like Bastion, like I guess in like the maybe the not early 2000s, but like maybe mid 90s. It was like after onslaught and stuff. Yep. Um, he would turn people into sentinels and they would just start hunting mutants before their powers activated. And she was one of them. Oh, then who am I mixing? Who's the human doctor that helps that, that, that's on like with the X-Men then? Dude, they have like at least like one or two of them. One, one is like an Indian woman and, and she was like on that X. What was it? There was like a team of like super smart doctors you know what i'm talking about oh like, yes yes I, I do know what you're talking about i don't remember the name they called them yeah um it, it stinks right because it, guys in the comics the x-men have changed like so radically recently that like yeah. i think that brian and i are so used to this new version of the x-men written by jonathan hickman and that you start to forget like what it was like beforehand yeah i mean the, the x-men kind of go through a whole reboot soft reboot or hard reboot yeah, they've done it many, many times. Yeah, uh, and just the the more recent one is a bit more radical, and it's been one of the more interesting ones in our opinion. Yeah, yeah, I like you said our opinion because we're like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I I I know you agree with me on that. <laughs> yes, yes. So so she in the comics was a character that could make shields and stuff like she does in this movie. Okay, so I I was mixing her up with someone else, and I'm gonna have to look up who I think who I thought that was. Yeah, uh, I and can't remember. The thing is, she's a good character in the in the comics. So she's not a villain, but in this movie, she's pretty much a villain. Yeah, uh, although she, I mean, she only turns into a, a villain after she's given orders from uh, the the Essex Corporation, which is, uh, you know, again, and we we've seen the Essex Corporation name dropped in um, was it Apocalypse? Apocalypse. Apocalypse which is, you know, Nathaniel Essex, Mister Sinister, and I would love to have seen that character at some point. I really would have. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm I'm disappointed in that, but at the same time, like, and I mean, I hope this isn't spoiling our discussion later. But I mean, Dark Phoenix was like a real bad movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was a real bad way to end end off the X Men movies. I mean, and I think this is a better way to end them off for me because I, I I I kind of enjoyed this movie. I, I had such a bad rap. Yeah. And I mean, I I get the I I get the that it's kind of generic and not that much happens, but. I mean, it's a ninety-minute movie. I I enjoy it for the fact that it was a ninety-minute movie, and yeah. I, I just I liked it more than I expected. Yeah. Oh no, I did too. I did too. I actually really liked uh, Roberto. You know, like whose sunspot in the comics. Yeah. Um, I, but I I think probably the standout for me was actually Ilyana Magic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing that 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 X Men seems to uh, the X Men the, the last time the the X Men movies got kind of rebooted. This this was almost intended to be another reboot in a way, you know. Right. Uh, and the last time they did this with the first class movie, they they got Jennifer Lawrence like right before she like blew up, and Anna Taylor Joy has since blown up really with like the Queen's Gambit and uh, what was the some movie too um, that she was in that, that I think was was uh, you know highly. Uh, Rated. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, she's been in a bunch of movies. Like, there's I think there's one that I'm not thinking of that's like her big movie, but absolutely the Queen's Gambit, like you said. And it's kind of funny because she's in um, Split with James McAvoy, right? Oh, that's right. She is. Yeah, yeah. She. I mean, she's in a ton of things. She's also in um, The Witch, which The Witch is like one of my favorite horror movies of the past like five or six years. It's really good, disturbing movie. Um, she's, but, but it seems like her star, her star is like on, like, you know, it's starting to really blow up at this point. I, yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Um, every one of the New Mutants characters is well cast and is great. Um, I think that it's kind of funny that like half the people in this movie or actually more than half are not doing their original accent. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and it kind of shows. Uh, you know, I think that uh, Maisie Williams does a good job as Wolfsbane, but her accent kind of comes and goes. And yeah. um, what do you call it? I think Sam, his accent kind of comes and goes too a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I it was so weird when the first time I heard um, that actor speak in an interview I mean, from Stranger Things. Uh, I, I had no idea he was British. Like, I had no uh, idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I actually really like him in Stranger Things too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's great. Um yeah, no, I, I, I like I like that the whole cast. I, like you said, it's only six people in the movie, which is kind of weird. But um, I, I like the, the the Buffy references in this movie too. Like, yeah, you know, they, they, they first showed the scene with with like Tara and Willow when they like uh, you know first getting together, and then yeah. there's the whole there was the whole thing like semi relationship with Rain and Danny, which I don't think was a thing in the comics. No, no, I don't think. As far as I know, I don't think that Rain. Who's a lesbian in the comics at all? Um, I know that like a little odd because she's very Catholic in the comics. Uh, she's very much, um, you know, very religious. You know. Yeah, yeah. In the comics, there's always been that thing, like her Catholicism, where she has always felt like a freak and like a demon because she turns into this wolf creature, right? Yeah. But the the lesbian thing, I don't think was in the comics. I know, like during Peter David's X Factor run in the 1990s, she was like obsessed with uh, Havoc. Like she, she had a crush on him, yeah. You know, but I mean, with the X Men characters, their their sexual preferences and, and like who they're into shifts dramatically. Like Iceman is a good example of that, right? Where it's a yeah. character from the '60s, but then just in the last ten years, they've been like, oh, he's actually a gay man, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I, and I realize that there's there's evidence that can't support that, but I still I still to this day hate how that was revealed. Oh yeah, because yeah. I just hated I hated the the, the young. X-Men Brought to the Future storyline. I hated that yeah. so much. Yeah, and, and, and what Brian's talking about is there's this one writer, uh, Brian Michael Bendis, who I've read a shit ton of Brian Michael Bendis's work, but like he, he's the one that wrote that new Avengers comic I was talking about. That yeah, no, his, his early work and career is fantastic. Absolutely. But yeah. eventually, I just like, I don't know, turned a page or something. I mean, I haven't read much of his DC work recently. Um, Not great. Okay, yeah, but I, this was literally like the worst thing that I've read. I, I, I can't say it's the worst thing I've read for X-Men. It's, it's one of the most worst things in recent X-Men history. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, maybe we should even just explain it real quick so people know what the fuck we're talking about. But like he just did this thing where like he took the X-Men characters that were from the 1960s, like uh, Cyclops, Beast, uh, Jean Grey, Iceman, and, and uh, Angel, and brought them from their original – like when they're teenagers, he brought them to the modern day. And so you had two teams of X-Men. You had like the modern older version and then you had the teen version. And it just was like 
so annoying to have this young team. And you always thought that they were going to go back in time, but it just kept going on and on. Yeah, and on. so like it would have been okay if it was a one story arc kind of thing, but they kept them around for years. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I bought the, the book where they finally got sent back. I bought that because I knew they were going to get sent back and I had to witness it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, the X Men in the comics, it can be kind of rough and, and there are times when you don't like what's going on. But with the movies themselves, um, it's kind of interesting, right? Because I, it essentially got rebooted, like you said, with uh, First Class, right? And yeah. the, the whole franchise was around for almost 20 years, yeah. right? Right, because the first one's in 2000. This one just came out technically in 2020, even though, you know, it was ready to be distributed. It was essentially filmed in, like, 2016. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um but it, it, it's definitely like there's there's two halves to this continuity, right? And yeah, um, which one, which half do you think is stronger? Like, do you think it pre first class is stronger or post first class? Post. Post. Yeah, it, post. it's tough, right? Because Deadpool is in post, and then and then uh, first class is is one of I'm, I'm well, I don't want to give away my ranking, but um, but then of course you have uh, X Men Origins Wolverine, which is before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get into all this shit when we do our yeah. rankings. But um, uh, actually, I, I think there's one thing that I mean, maybe this is like well hashed out in media since this movie came out. But we keep mentioning it that the movie was filmed so early and got released so late, and uh, we probably explain why that happened. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. So it it got it kept getting shelved because they were just the stu the studios just weren't happy with it or for whatever reason. Yeah, uh, and then, and then um, or they said it wasn't scary enough. And then I think with the, there was the success of it, and they wanted to go back and film, re reshoot some scenes and make it scarier. But so much time had passed by the time they had they got around to doing it that the actors had aged so much that they just didn't look like them anymore. So they just literally could not do it. Yeah, and they basically released it as as it was originally made. Years later. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Isn't it? And, and speaking of it being like horror influenced or that they wanted to be more horror influenced, don't you think it's very similar to uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Dream Warriors? Um. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Because it's got like a bunch of kids living in an institution and they have powers like in their dreams and they have powers and dream warriors. Yeah. And for this place, they have powers in the real world. <laughs> yeah. And instead of Freddy, it's like, you know, their their nightmares are a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but but like I, I didn't actually know Danny Moonstar's powers. I had to look them up after this movie. I did too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that, I think that works too because I mean it, it's our powers are kind of ambiguous in a way almost you know so I think uh, the, the fact that the, the whole movie is trying to figure out what our powers are and she's essentially the cause of the the conflict in the movie unintentionally. Yeah. You, you've seen Moana, right? Of course. Okay, okay. D didn't you think that the, the last scene was very reminiscent of Moana with, like, the demon bear coming at her, and she's going towards the demon bear, and she, like, yeah. that's it, right? Yep. It's just like this yeah, last absolutely. scene of Moana. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, anyway, I, I think, you know, just to kind of wrap things up and stuff, we should go talk about our X-Men rankings. What do you yep. think? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, am I going through a whole list, or you, you want to go back and forth a little bit here, or 
Okay, okay. Let's let's not go into like a lot of detail about each one, but like maybe we should talk about like why we ranked them so low or why we ranked them so high. Okay. So like the middle ones we don't have to talk about as much, but like the real low ones maybe we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, why don't you tell me the lowest X Men movie on your list? Um. Okay. So I have a slight caveat here. Um, oh. My, my lowest. My lowest is X Three, because I hated that movie. Um. And, and there were so many dumb scenes that I hated, and I, I just, I just didn't like it at all. Okay. Uh, but I haven't seen it in a while, and I, I did see Dark Phoenix, which was also horrible. It was just a bad movie. It was just not fun. Um, and I, I really, it, it really, I could almost tie them for worst movie at the same time there. But I did, I did write down X three as the bottom one. Oh shit! Okay, okay. Uh, I don't have it as my bottom, but since you said that it ties with Dark Phoenix, that is my lowest ranking X Men movie. Okay. And um, I actually just watched Dark Phoenix today. I'd okay. never seen it, um, but I had it for our show, and um, I just I had like no desire to see it when I saw the trailers. When I'd heard about it, I was like, they're really doing X three again, and it looks super generic. So yeah. Yeah, it, it sucks because it sucks because the Dark Phoenix is one of the greatest comic stories and X Men stories ever, and they just screwed it up twice. They just didn't do it right twice. You know, That's the same and that means and that means we're not gonna get it done right like in our lifetimes. You know, probably not. No, yeah, 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 yeah. And and that movie, it's so weird because we were talking about New Mutants being generic. That movie's super generic, and you can predict everything. And um. The the music in particular, I felt was just so like monotone and boring. It's like nah, nah, nah. I don't even remember the music. I mean, I, yeah. I, I I walked out of that theater being like, wow, that was that was pretty bad. <laughs> yes, I saw that in the theater. Oh god. Um, the, the one the one positive thing I have to say about that movie is that although although the villains were lame, it was lame. The idea that they are the survivors of the planet, the, the the initial planet that Gene destroyed as the Phoenix was kind of a cool deep cut nod kind of thing. But I would so much rather have some other well-known villain that hasn't been done or even could be redone that I was at the same time disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I, it's yeah. like, why couldn't why couldn't it be she yeah. Why? Why, why couldn't Jessica Chastain be Lalandra? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, dude, I have no idea. I think that they were saying that they initially wanted them to be the scroll, and then like they couldn't do it because Marvel got the scroll back eventually for Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. I heard something like that. Well, um, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a few things I liked. Like, I mean, I like that Nightcrawler at one point teleports one of the aliens right in front of a train. I thought that was pretty cool. And um, like, I like that Cyclops uses his powers and does things. Yeah, it, yeah, that's always good too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and you know, I just I like that dynamic between Professor X and uh, in, in both versions, the James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender, or the uh, you know uh, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. I love yeah, both I, versions of that. Again, yes, I, I do like those the, the dynamic those characters have, but at the same time, it's like we didn't need it every single movie, and I was I, I extremely grew tired of the of the, the the trio of 
you know, Charles, uh, Eric, and um, uh, Mystique. I, I was just done. I, 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 there was no need to have them in this movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and the way that they killed Mystique, too, is pretty lame. Yeah. Well, so, so what's your number 12, then? Uh, well, 12 and 13 would be X3 and Dark Phoenix. Okay, okay. So my I could swap them in a heartbeat. I have not I have not seen Dark Phoenix since the theater. So uh, that was two years ago at this point. So yeah. All right. Well then, my twelve. I think I'm gonna. I rank it lower than the Last Stand. My twelve is X Men Origins Wolverine. That is my eleven. Okay. You know, okay. Like, I think there are some good moments in this movie. Yes, I think yeah. I I love the whole opening sequence of. Uh, of you know Logan and Sabretooth just uh, and, and Victor just like going through history and fighting the wars that was awesome. Yeah, I think um, Liv Shriver was great as Sabretooth. I, I enjoyed that. I think you know, but as the movie went on, like why the shoe shoe in shoehorn in Gambit, what they did to Deadpool was horrible. Um, oh my god, the whole fight at the end it was just dumb. Like, like the whole point of the movie was just dumb. Yeah, um, and and there there are some things that I, I I liked about it, but overall it's just a bad movie. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's, it's like overall it's very silly, you know. Yeah. It's just it like the decisions that they make. You're like, why are you doing this? It's just to fit certain characters in, and yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So yeah. then, so actually, before you get to the next one, so is that your eleven? That was my twelve. That's your twelve. Okay, so tell me your eleven. Then I have, I want to say something. Eleven is X Men Apocalypse. Okay, um, so my eleven is, uh, as I said, it was Wolverine Origins, and I, I classified. I actually kind of ranked. You remember how you asked me this uh, earlier on? If I thought more of them were good than bad, yes, I actually have those three as just bad, just bad. <laughs> movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but, so, so now, uh, now you're talking about Apocalypse is your eleven? Okay, yeah. So for me, I feel like Apocalypse is a bad movie, though, too. Like, I, I would actually put my 10 through 13 would be, I'd consider bad movies. I just think, like, okay, so here's the thing. A lot of the stuff we're probably going to say tonight are things that many people have said yep. many times. But the thing is, the reason why they are said is because they're so true. And I think that, like, you have Oscar Isaac playing Apocalypse, and he just looks like fucking Ivan Ooze. And that's yeah, just that's, that's some of the worst costume design I've. Uh, uh, oh god! <laughs> I, I it's just like the, the, I think one of the most disturbing things when you watch a movie is when it's wasted potential. And yeah. Oscar Isaac is a fantastic actor. I've actually seen like a bust or whatever that someone made for this movie. Like they were working on this movie, and it looked like the freaking apocalypse from the cartoon and the and the comics, and they didn't use it. And I'm like. Why did they go with this? Uh, I, I remember something about you know Apocalypse has those cables that go on his back to his arms and like is it what they did something weird with those cables like like they're totally unnecessary for like they go in his neck or something now something, something yeah. like that it, it looked it was a, one of the worst costumes yeah. and, or character designs I've seen in any of these superhero movies yeah and, and this is a character that like is so epic and so iconic in the comics. You know, his presence is like, it's like Thanos or something, where it's like, oh, this is a big deal, that's this guy. And they and he played him almost like Emperor Palpatine or something, where he's kind of like more frail, but he has like a power inside. 
Whereas Apocalypse is just so like in your face and so arrogant. And that character did not exude that at all. Yeah, I, I'll agree there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you also introduce Psylocke, who's one of my favorite Marvel characters, period. And then one of my favorite X-Men, definitely. And, you know, she looks like Psylocke. But she yeah, they nailed that costume, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Angel's just useless in it. And um, Storm, I like who they have to pick play Storm. And she's good in Dark Phoenix, too. But just, I don't know. It's just these movies, it's like they don't have depth to them. It's almost like they're checking off a box or something. Yeah, uh, at, it, it's a waste of potential. And I, I actually, um, I have this movie a little bit higher. Um, okay. But uh, but you're right. It, it's absolutely wasted potential. There's there's some bad in there. Uh, I have this I have this ranked as okay in the okay category. It's like <laughs> major 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 flaws. But I got some small enjoyment out of it in some parts. Yeah, uh, and maybe even a little more so than I did with Wolverine Origins. Um, but overall, yeah, it's it's not not great. Okay. Well, then I'm curious to hear what the next one on your list is then. Uh, I have The Wolverine, and I actually kind of like this movie. Yeah. Up until the very end, which I thought was terrible. Uh, the, the, the whole movie is essentially, you know, Wolverine in Japan. And yeah. I really liked all of that. But it just goes off the rails. I mean, after it goes off the rails in the third act, essentially, uh, you know, with, with, with Viper. Oh, Viper's in this. Yeah, uh, and what uh, what's the uh, what's the guy's name? Silver Samurai. Is it Silver Samurai? Is it um whoever? He, he was trying to steal Wolverine's powers to to make him young again or whatever it was. Um, yeah, it, it just went. It got so ridiculous and it just felt so out of left field. And I just it, it ruined the movie. It really did. They could have they they if they would have went a more of a Logan route. And kept it a little more grounded and with the more with the um, Yakuza, yeah, with the Yakuza stuff. I think it would have been a much better movie. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. It, like once you get past that sequence where he's like fighting a town fil filled with ninjas, once you yeah. get past that, then it's like a little too over the top and ridiculous. Yeah, then I hate the movie. Yes, I, yeah. I, and I have to especially point out that there's a uh, a director's cut or some special version or whatever like that that has like a crazy extended ninja fight scene that is awesome and should be watched. Okay, all right. <laughs> Maybe I'll check that out at some point, yeah. Yeah, um, and then above that, uh, above that, that's where I have Apocalypse at 9. Okay, okay. So I actually have uh, the Wolverine as my number 9, and my number 10 was X-Men The Last Stand. Okay. Okay. So then, if we're going past the Wolverine, then my new New Mutants is after that for me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I have the like the next, the next category is movies that I thought were good. Okay. Okay. And I have um, th this was this was a rough area to to, to kind of categories, but I I I would feel better just lumping all the movies that I have in this little grouping together. Do it. I have um. Both Deadpool's, New Mutants, and the first X-Men all in this range. Oh, okay, okay. And I think they're, they're, I, I thought they were good, and I enjoyed them for the most part. Okay. With, you know, minor exception. Okay, so can you just, like, 
run through the numbers real quick? Like, sure. Which one uh, is which so number? I, I have I have it as Deadpool two is eight, X Men is seven, New Mutants is six, Deadpool is five. Okay. Okay. I, but I, I I'm not I'm not like totally married to that order. I, I could probably change that. I I, I haven't watched some of these in a, in a while, so. That's interesting. Okay, okay. So that it, it's kind of parallel, but I I put one in here. This is where we're probably going to disagree. So okay. so going from Afternoon Mutants, then I have Deadpool two is seven. Okay. I have, have X Men Days of Future Past as six. Probably got disagreement on that one. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah. Your face. Oh yeah. yeah. Then for number five, I have the original X Men. Then for number four, I have Deadpool. Okay. So, so that's where I see we're seeing some contention. So, um, it's interesting. Why do you rank the first movie so low? Uh, I I don't see it as being low. Um, I, I just think it feels a little dated. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and um, there, it was great at the time because it, it was just. Oh my God! It's the X Men, and it's not terrible, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but there are some dumb things in that movie, and there are some generic things in that movie, and there are some tropes that they kind of applied to the X Men from that movie that I, I kind of didn't really like, you know. The costumes. Um, th yeah. The, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and Wolverine being like the main character in all of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and 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 I absolutely love Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Absolutely. But um, yeah, like. Cyclops is a background character, pretty much for the most part. Although that that's probably the most uh, the most Jason Marsden uh, gets to do in any of the X Men movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. Good um, point. Good point. Um, but yeah, I I, I think that there, there's a lot of there's a lot of great casting in it, and it's great, and it was great at the time. But I think it has aged hasn't aged as well as I would have liked. Yeah, I mean it's freaking twenty one years old at yeah. this point. Yeah. And I remember like being at my friend's house and we had to like wait for the trailer to download to watch it, you know, and we're sitting <laughs> yeah. there for like a half hour waiting for it to download. Like, oh, my God, we're going to watch it, you know, yeah. Yeah. you can go in the bathroom and like, like pop up your phone and just watch it. <laughs> it's like if you're at work or something like that. Oh, no. Did you drop out? Oh, no. Pete's frozen. Can people still see me? I hope not. <laughs> oh. Well, are they are there? Oh, thank God. Yeah, I'm here. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Um, well, that, that might be a sign. I, I might need to kind of wrap this up kind of soon. Too. Okay. Um, let's, let's go through this lightning round. Okay. Lightning round. So so why don't we do our top three then, right? Because are we at our top three now? Uh, well, I, I didn't get through. I, 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 I'm at four right now. So at four, I have first class. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Okay, do, do do four through one. I want to see this. I want to see this. Four through one. So four yeah. is first class. Uh, three is X2. Okay. And then um, two is uh, two is Logan. Okay. And then one is, well, you can figure out what one is now. Wait, what the, What am I? Days of Future Past? I have this as my favorite, yeah. Holy shit. Okay, 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 okay. So, wow. All right, let's, let's look at our differences here. Four. I have Deadpool, three X two, so we're on the same page as that, okay. right? Yep. Two Logan, right? We're on the same page as that. Yep. And then number one, I have First Class. Okay. 
Interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay. I, um, I, I'm curious why you had Days of Future Past so low. Uh, actually, I mean, I, I know it, it, it vastly deviates from the, the, the actual X-Men story. You know, it's very different. Yeah. Well, look at my list right now. I'm in this discussion with you. I feel like I could flip Days of Future Past, have it as my number five, and put X-Men as my number six, right? Okay. Um, and maybe I could even switch it out with Deadpool. But I feel like um, the, the thing with Deadpool X2, Logan, and X-Men First Class is that unlike many, many comic book movies and unlike most of the movies that are on this list, I have like genuine emotions watching these movies to where I care about the characters, I'm following the story, like the story is important to me. And Days of Future Past is good and a lot of it is like that, but I just feel like Deadpool, it's it's much more focused on him. I feel like X2 is like just this great, tight X-Men story. It's really good. Yep. Logan is a friggin' masterpiece. Yep. And First Class, First Class has some of my favorite moments in any comic book movie ever. So um, I, I think, and then I'm, I'm, I know I'm talking a lot, but in First Class, probably the main reason why is the scenes with Magneto. Those scenes with Magneto are like some of my favorite things I've ever seen before. You know, where he has like where he has the the coin and he makes it goes go through Shaw's oh, head. Yeah, you know, or, yeah. Just they have this music that's specific for Magneto in that movie, and it's so good, it's so well. Yeah, done. I mean, essentially to me that I mean that that's that's the be that obviously is the beginning of of the uh, Charles Eric Raven triangle, and I think. It, it was excellent. It was an absolutely fantastic movie, and it revitalized this franchise. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't have gotten so many movies. We wouldn't have probably gotten Deadpool at all, no. you know, and uh, or anything if not for that movie. Yes. Because X three like sunk it to me. Green <laughs> <laughs> art and sunk it, it sunk it too. So, um, it, it is great, but I, I felt that the the groundwork they laid there, and then followed through with with Days of Future Past, I, I I just, I love that movie. And I know that, like I said, they changed it drastically from the comic, you know? Yeah. And again, they focus all on Wolverine too, you know? But I I liked the the mixing of the of, of the two worlds, uh, you know, the previous and the the, the new, the newer version. Yes. And, and I really, I really felt the, um, the, the positions that, that uh, that Charles, Eric, and Raven were put in, and, and because of that movie, you know, and I really enjoyed that a lot. Okay, all right, that's that's good. I mean, the thing is, man, is that when I talk to you, you kind of sway how I feel. So you're kind of making me bring it up higher on my list. I, I will say this: there might be a reason why I don't rank it as high, or I don't have as, as strong a feeling as you do. The trailer for that movie is so fucking good. The trailer for Days of Future Past. The Man, music. I remember it, <laughs> dude. Once we finish talking tonight, go watch that because yeah. the trailer, the music, the the music they choose, the way it syncs up, it is so good. And I feel like maybe I was expecting that, and the movie wasn't as good as the trailer. And I know that's lame. I know that's a cop out. It, it still is a really good movie, um, and it's cool to see like the future stuff and kind of like, oh, this is how one way it could end for these characters. Um, 
maybe I don't like the '60s stuff as much. You know, and that might be it. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I, it, it does. It's it's sad because it's such a drop in quality between that one and Apocalypse too. You know. Yeah, it's it's it definitely is. Yeah. Because eh, they they were on this great trajectory, um, and then it's kind of sad too because like then you have this happy ending in the end of Days of Future Past, and then it's essentially worn away by Logan, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, with Apocalypse, it, it, it felt like, like uh, that's where I started to feel that, you know, Magneto shouldn't have been in the movie. Yeah. He shouldn't have been in the movie, and they should have focused on that newer cast, uh, you know, with, with the younger Cyclops and, you know, Sansa uh, Stark as Jean Grey and all that. Um, yeah. They should focus more on those characters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing is, man, is that we could, like, literally, we could, like, go through each one of these and, like, talk about them in depth, you know? Yep. It, but it's, it's a little ambitious for us to, like, go through the whole hey, thing. Hey, maybe, maybe we'll have some, you know, maybe if Marvel takes a huge break in content, we'll have something to fall back on. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I like that. You know, and, and one time, uh, Brian and I actually recorded, like, a Transformers uh, commentary where we watched Transformers the movie. And I, I think we could do something like that, but maybe we could do it for the X-Men movies or something at one point. Yeah, I'm down for that. Yeah, cool, man. Well, uh, I actually got to get going because I know uh, me and my Your wife. Your connection is going to die. <laughs> yeah, that too, that too. Um, and, and I think Sherry T and I have to go watch something to go review on the Anchor Peak channel. But if you guys have not subscribed to Ramblers in the Rod Pod, please do. And uh, Brian, I will see you here next week for the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm excited. See you then.